Welcome to the Just Being Honest podcast. The JBH podcast is here to inspire people to dramatically enhance their health, their well-being, and lifestyle by providing an honest perspective and knowledge on eating, quote, real food, whether that is in physical form, the healthiest version of a whole food substance, or mental. What are you saying to yourself? What are you listening from other people? Huh? The less toxins you put in your body, the less toxins that are out in the universe, the environment, and the less toxins that you are spreading onto humanity. It's about creating a life of sourcing transparency, mental freedom, and physical harmony. Guys, this is the Just Being Honest podcast. This is true food for thought. We are getting deep. Hi friends. Um, oh my gosh, I have just got to say this and I feel like I say this all the time, but it is just gorgeous outside. I went for this crazy run today. <laughs> Do you ever just kind of like say, oh yeah, I'm going to take it easy, which happens to me nearly every day. Oh, I'm just going to take it easy. Just a short little jaunt around the block. Um, So I'm heading down the road and I'm thinking, oh, I'll go up this hill and then just down back around the other side of the neighborhood, get a good sunrise view and that'll be my morning. And then I'll go to the farmer's market and uh, we'll call it a little day. No. So I was running along this road, beautiful, beautiful morning view um, of the ocean, and it was literally just sparkling. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was so calm. The There was like no wind. It was, I have no words to describe it. But anyways, I'm running along, and this older gentleman's trot, trot, trotting along and goes into telling me about how he has an exercise-induced arrhythmia now and has to maintain his pace and then starts talking to me about a runner's club nearby. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm starting to go up my little hill, well, which is actually a drastically huge hill. And he starts to point down to this other direction that I've never run down before. And he's like, oh, it's it's a really beautiful route. And, you know, it's just about 2.5 miles all the way back up. And, and I'm like, okay, I think I drove down this road the other day. And I'm thinking, I'm sure, I'll give it a shot. And I kind of like hesitated for a second. I'm like, I'll do it today. And it was hard. It was gnarly. I literally felt like I was in Italy again. It was so cool. Just views the entire time, 2.5 miles up. So needless to say, it was like a, a run, hike, walk situation. And I actually had the thought on that run that, oh, I could totally do like a 50K and, or an ultrathon. You just have to like run, walk. And then, of course, you know, towards the end of my run, um, my, my hips were not lying. So here I am just sitting and basking in the sunlight on the floor of my little cottage, my happy place 
It is a beautiful day. Welcome. This is your host, KB, to the Just Be An Honest podcast. Guys, if you are first time tuning in, welcome. I'm your friend. I am your friend that just spills out the honest truth. We talk about lifestyle design. Yes, I am a lifestyle designer. You're cocking your head to the side saying, what is that? Well, basically, I'm here to unveil your truth, your potential in this life. You know, the introductory of this podcast, it's going to be changing a little bit. Yeah, true food for thought, mentally and physically. So let me tell you, kids, 2021, we're going to have a little shakeup, a little brand redo. So get ready for that. Um, But anyways, welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you here. If you haven't already done so, please jump over. You can pause right now if you want to. Um, Hop over and subscribe to my show. It really helps me grow and allows others hear all about my honest truth and the honest truth of others that come on my show. We have a lot of great content. And um, this is ultimately, guys, one of my passions. And... um, you know, we're all in this together. So head on over there, send it to a friend, a family member. Let that exposure shine and grow like a plant. Um, anyways, our guest today is Dr. I'm so excited for this. Dr. Julie Greenberg. Okay. Uh, we're talking skin, but more than skin because we dive into basically the root causes of why your skin looks the way it looks or the elasticity, collagen buildup, aging, oh my gosh, all of that. But that has to do with the root and going inside. So Dr. Greenberg is a licensed naturopathic doctor who specializes, specializes in integrative dermatology, okay? She is passionate about natural skincare, as am I, and believes that many of today's chronic skin diseases can be healed by using evidence-based alternative treatments, as do I. And, um, you know, I'm going to let Dr. Julie, I always call people like Dr. Julie, even though she's like, call me Julie. I just can't. I'm like, you got to have the doctor in there. So I'm going to let her tell more about her background, about her specialties, because she is a walking encyclopedia, and you know I love that on this show. You also know that I love skincare, I love natural living, um, and all of that jazz. So a little bit more about what we're going to jump into today, over 50 aging. Okay, over 50 aging, what are the things, men and women, that we should be focusing on? Um, She gives her sun protection recommendations, what to look for in products, um, even just natural remedies too. We jump into what the integumentary system is, big word, word of the day maybe, We jump into chronic illnesses, chronic dis-eases, things like ringing a bell, eczema, (laughs) psoriasis, 
acne perhaps, we jump all into that. And what perhaps could be the root cause of it all for you, all right? We're not doing anything about Band-Aids here. We are going in deep. We, we also cover, this is what I really love, is favorite foods for every day, root cause health, and skincare health. It may surprise you, but the science behind it will certainly be like a little twinkle in your brain forever. I am sure of that. And, oh gosh, she talks about, I mean, so many things. I could just kind of like blow off the wall right now. But one thing that I'm also really passionate about is my body moisturizer. And I know that's like technically not the right term, but just... I don't like being dry. So we jump into her recommendations on that and also clarifications and definitions of ingredients in products and what they're actually doing to your skin. Holy cow, you're gonna wanna hear that. Um, Y'all, I have her information on the show notes. So just kind of scroll on down and you can check that out. You can set up an appointment with her. She's doing all virtual appointments, as am I. Um, that's how we're going, 2020. This is the new wave. Okay, so I'm done chatting, but um, I know I'm just gonna say one more thing before I go. This is my only announcement. And that is we are at this like fast forward time to the end of the year. And there are many things, especially, you know, with holidays and perhaps you are thinking about purchasing gifts. I do have some recommendations. I have some sustainable recommendations, meaning that brands and products that have a background in um, bettering your life or are made with ingredients, materials that are environmentally conscious. Um, other things are services like Dr. Julie Greenberg, sustainable action, right? She's helping the longevity of your future. As a lifestyle designer myself, I'm helping the longevity of your mental state. Okay, so that being said, you can find all the recommendations on my shop page at justbeinghonest.com. Remember, being has no G on the end, so it's J-U-S-T-B-E-I-N-H-O-N-E-S-T.com. Click on the shop page and have fun. Um, also, if you would like to find out more information about my services, all virtual, I am happy to, as my gift to you, to give you a little kickstart. First consultation, absolutely free. I'm here for you. I want to see you grow. I want to see you heal naturally. And I want to see you go after what your heart truly desires. All right. We're moving away from fear-based living to love-based living. So let's rock on sisters and brothers. Okay, on to the show. Taking in that sunlight. I am over the moon. I am so excited today. I think you guys have been hearing me. I I try not to complain too much, but considering where my autoimmune is, the stage it's at right now, you know I've been breaking out in weird rashes, and which is not like me. 
my hands are doing funky things. Um, you know, we're all dealing with mask me. I'm dealing with things that I've never seen before in my life. And so I came to the terms, maybe it's just what I'm going through. Maybe it's the stress. Maybe it's the environment. Maybe it's 2020. We want to blame everything on 2020, right? But guys, my guest today, I am so excited. Um, I have an integrative dermatologist on the show today. And we are going to just get honest with her. Her name is Dr. Julie Greenberg. She's like, call me, just call me Julie. And I'm like, oh man, but if I had doctor in front of my name, I would totally want people to call me like doc, doc, doctress, just something like jazzy, something like that. So without further ado, welcome to the JBH podcast. We're just going to jump into this because... I'm sure we have a lot of topics that'll be like just blasting out of my brain. So welcome. So, so happy to have you here. Thank you, Catherine. I'm so excited to be here. And um, yeah, I love your podcast and can't wait to talk about derm stuff. I love it. Okay. So when people think of like going to the dermatologist, they always think of like, well, when I did, because I was never raised in going to the dermatologist. And I was just very natural. And so I feel like whenever people think of dermatologists or just dermatology in general, they think of like cosmetic work. Um, but today, guys, we're really going to jump into kind of more root causes and how like your whole body, obviously, derm is what? Skin. So it's about your whole entire body. Um and something that I think we should kind of jump off into, um, well, actually, let's jump back because I haven't been able to ask um, this question because I've been doing a lot of solo podcasts, but um, what was your childhood upbringing like? I'm always curious, like, how does someone get into the profession or the field that they get into? So tell me a little bit about your childhood first off. Well, I can't complain. My childhood was really pretty great. Um, I grew up in Southern California, uh, riding horses, mm. going to school. I loved, I loved school and, um, yeah, I would say it was, you know, a pretty, um, awesome childhood for the most part. I, I got interested in, so, and I'll just make the distinction. Um, so I'm not, I'm not a dermatologist in the classic sense that people think of dermatologists, which is an MD medical doctor, like board certified dermatologist. I'm an ND, a naturopathic doctor who specializes in dermatology. And so as a naturopathic doctor, I do look at what you were saying, the whole body, the whole person. And I really um, got interested in medicine and you know, health in my twenties, I actually had gone and gotten my MBA from Stanford and I was in business, but that was my first health crisis was in my twenties after business school. I, um, well, for years I was tired. I was gaining weight. I was like getting hair on my chin and <laughs> didn't know what was wrong. And eventually I was diagnosed with, um, Hashimoto's, um, hypothyroidism, which mm -hmm. is very common. And I'm sure many of your listeners have been diagnosed with this disease and, um, this was a long time ago. This was like over 20 years ago that I was diagnosed. And when I went to the doctor, 
it was the head of USC endocrinology, so a very prestigious you know, medical center. And that head just said to me, well, you have this disease, it's autoimmune, you're attacking your thyroid, we don't know why it's happening, and we're just gonna, you're gonna take this medicine for the rest of your life, and you're probably gonna be tired and gain weight, and there's really nothing we can do about it. And I just walked out of that visit <laughs> shell-shocked. Oh my God. You know, like, what just happened? Like, I'm 27, What what is going on? And it just didn't sit right with me. Like, how can this head, like, obviously, brilliant doctor, head of USC endocrinology, he just saying to me, like, we don't know what causes it. We don't really know what to do, like the end. And that set me on my healthcare journey where I started researching, well, what would cause hypothyroidism? And I was researching food. And then I started researching our personal care products and just how much horrible gunk we put on ourselves, particularly as women. Back then it was women put about a hundred chemicals on their skin a day. And now it is more like 130 chemicals a day. We put it on our children and that set me off into the world of, I think, um, naturopathic medicine, which is like, we have to get to the root cause of things. We can't just treat symptoms and one pill is not going to fix it. And the world of dermatology, because I started trying to create my own skincare products that didn't have things like parabens and endocrine disruptors. And um, yeah, so that that's kind of where my path into becoming a naturopathic doctor started was my late 20s with my own personal health care crisis. I think that's what a beautiful, beautiful story that is because that is, to be completely honest, that's why I do what I do. Um, we all have our story and I think it's not, you know, the people that come to you, they want to hear those stories and be like, oh my gosh, she went through this. She experienced it. Like, like, like we are one, you know, and we really are one. And I love that the root cause. And thank you for making that distinction between naturopathic dermatology and an MD, because we all know, especially the allopathic world and the natural, <laughs> naturopathic world are very different in terms of thinking. Um, sure, you know, you need some allopathic, I believe, in certain instances, but um, to be completely honest, you know, I haven't had the best journey with allopathic and I love that you threw in uh, toxic chemicals, uh, you know, especially we can throw out the beauty industry, um, you know, hormone disruption. Um, that's, just a, that's just one tiny little subject that we could throw into. But it's so interesting, guys. Um, and I'll put a life story out there as well. You know, I've been searching for, I'm very Vata if we talk Ayurvedic sense, very dry, uh, very, very oh, airy. Um, so I'm having a problem, you know, with when it we get the Santa Ana winds in Southern California and it is just dry here and I can't get enough water in me. And I am a swimmer and I am at the point where I'm like, if I, like, it's been my life journey to find the perfect, most clean body lotion that will actually not feel like water or feel like it's evaporating off of me. And I've used oils and it still feels like that. So that's like the hardest thing for me. But going into wherever you go into shop to, like what people don't realize is like reading labels is so important. If you can't pronounce it, 
if it's not something that just says like the scientific term for aloe or something, like you probably shouldn't be putting that on your body because what goes on your body goes in your body. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. And I mean, I can give you some recommendations for the perfect body Love it. moisturizer. So first I'll get on my little soapbox. Um, I mean, everyone, when everyone says moisturizer, or the, you know, they really mean lotion. I actually don't like lotions and I never use them and I don't use them on patients because what a lotion is, is it's an emulsion of oil and water. And we all know from seventh grade science class that if you pour oil and water together, they don't mix, they float, you know, one on top of the other. Mm -hmm. So when you are pumping your lotion, you don't want to get this like separated crazy mess. So they have to put in a chemical called an emulsifier which smashes together the oil and water molecules at the molecular level. Mm. Well, now that you have water in a product, you must have a preservative because if you don't, it's going to be fraught with bacteria and fungus very quickly. That's not a, a shelf-stable product. So anytime you have lotion, the top four ingredients are water, oil, which is a lot of time petroleum and you know mineral oil-based, preservative, and emulsifier. Emulsifier or that thing that smashes together the oil and water can strip off the fatty um, layer on your skin. And so some people get addicted to lotions, especially the more watery lotions, because they'll put it on, it's like hydrating for a minute, but then that emulsifier starts breaking down your own fatty acid mantle. Um, and you've just put emulsifier and preservative on your skin. And like you said, you're gonna absorb it. Um, and so those things like parabens, you know, they're preservatives. The reason why that they were in products in the first place was not to be an endocrine disruptor. It was to be a preservative. So I like to keep oil-based products and water-based products separately. And then you don't need emulsifier and you don't need preservative. Um, there are brands of like body butter that I like, and I think blends are good. So can I mention brands on here or? Yeah, go ahead. Guys, we're not like endorsing anything again to each their own, but <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one, one that I use a lot on patients because it is, it is like you said, you read the ingredients and it's like, yep, I understand. It's like grapeseed oil, shea butter, you know, infused with these plants. It's everything you can understand what it is, is Aura's amazing herbal. She has salves and body butters. And I really like them because it's just these blend of oils and you want there's light oils and then heavier types of fat. So there's grapeseed oil in there, which by itself is a light oil. And like grapeseed, for example, is great for the face for acne prone people by mm -hmm. itself. It usually won't cause them to break out. But for the body, you want something thicker, especially as you're saying in this dry, windy weather. That's where like the shea butter is a much mm -hmm. thicker thing that comes in. But the blends are good and it's infused with um, healing um, herbs in there like plantain and chicory and mm -hmm. St. John's wort. She has a bunch of um, herbal infusions in the formula. So I like blends. I like oils and, and fats like the shea butter and I like the herbal infusions because uh, that also helps heal and protect the skin. And yeah, I, I just don't use lotions ever. So you said Aura? That's Aura's O-R-A apostrophe S. And I have no I financial... It steak. <laughs> I love it. So I, um, I, I guess guys, I'll just toot my own horn, but if you follow me, you kind of know that I'm like a detective when it comes to the cleanest of the clean. Like I will like rat people out like, this is just not right. Poor people at like, you know, the health places. 
you're like, oh, gosh, lady. Um, but so, yeah, I've like on my face, I've been starting to because I do gua sha um, at night and I've been doing just getting um, apricot oil for my face. Um, but the grapeseed oil, that's good to know because I could get it and put that on my body, too. And I was looking at so for shea butter, though, do you get refined or unrefined? So the shea butter is already in the product and I don't use shea butter by itself. The, the only problem with unrefined shea butter is it kind of has a smell that some people don't like. Um, hers, her body butter doesn't, well, there's unscented and then there's like peppermint and some other ones that use essential oils, not fragrances. I, I also will not use anything with the fragrance. Um, um, so those are great. I mean, the grapeseed oil for the body can be nice, but it is considered one of the drier oils. So to use it on the whole body, that's why I like blends. A lot of people will use coconut oil on their body chronically. Coconut oil is great, but if you just use coconut oil long-term, it can actually dry the skin out. So that's why I like blends yeah. with different oils, with the butters, um, with, for the face, um, I also really like pomegranate seed oil. Mm. It is a wonderful, it's a pricey, so it's too expensive to put all over the body normally, but it's wonderful for the face. It doesn't cause breakouts and it helps also with aging. So it will help keep wrinkles and dark spots away. And it's one of my favorite um, oils for the face. I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that two cents. Um, okay, so let's jump back into, because I had a question. Can you kind of explain, we might be jumping ahead, but you've done a lot of lecture series, probably a lot more before COVID. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Anyways, <laughs> I digress. But um, can you kind of explain the, I'm going to butcher this, the integumentary system? Yeah, so the integumentary system is usually encompassing the hair, skin, and nails. Mm. So when we say like dermatology or dermatologists, they are dealing with the integumentary system. And if you have a problem with hair, skin, or nails, um, that is the integumentary system, and, and dermatology is the specialty for treating that. Oh my gosh, I love that. What people don't realize, so because like, and that goes back to, and clarify if I'm wrong, the root cause, which is what most of the times, maybe like our microbiome system. Absolutely. I think this is why um, a lot of your listeners, you know, particularly the ones who maybe have eczema or their babies have eczema and um, or acne and they're frustrated with conventional dermatology is because dermatology is really a lot of times approaching the skin from the outside in and it's treating symptoms. So if you or your baby has eczema, you're gonna to go to a dermatologist and you're definitely gonna get prescribed steroids. You are because that's what they have to offer. It's first line, second line, third line, fourth line, more steroids, stronger steroids. And then there's some other um, types of topicals that they can use as well, but it really is steroids, steroids, steroids. Well, what is a steroid doing? It is just suppressing the immune system. It's suppressing the response. It's pushing down that skin inflammation back into the body. And basically it's like, if, if a child is crying, you just are plugging your ears and saying, I don't want to hear about it. You, you haven't fixed the problem because, you know, in eczema, for example, a baby or an adult, the problem is not that they're deficient in steroids. So by putting the steroids on, we're not fixing a root problem at all. I liken it to it's like a coil, right? The body is having this immune reaction and it's sprung up and now you've got a rash on your skin 
and the steroids pushing that coil back down and trying to hold it down. Well, it works really effectively usually at the beginning. So it's like, oh my gosh, great. You use the steroid and baby's eczema went away. And then a week later, the eczema comes back. Shoot. Okay, we got to use some more. And then you start on this hamster wheel of using, having to take more and more force to hold that coil down, to hold that immune response of the body that's trying to say, we have a real problem in here and I need help. And then eventually you end up where the steroids actually stop working. And it is exactly what you said. We have to treat the gut. We are looking at these chronic derm conditions. Yes, of course, there are things happening on the skin. And I do treat the skin topically with natural botanicals and things that are good for the skin. But we have to go to the gut. And it's always the microbiome. And there's always stuff in disarray. There's too little of the good stuff, too much of the bad stuff. And it's causing an, an immune inflammatory response. And our skin is connected to our body, right? It's got a really robust blood supply and a really robust immune system right underneath the skin. And it just expresses itself in different ways. So it doesn't matter if it's eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, acne. It's all stemming from stuff that's happening in the gut. And you have to treat the gut to treat the root cause. So... What is your first step when you see the symptoms like eczema, psoriasis, rosacea? Um, would melasma kind of fit in there as well? Yeah, melasma tends to be a little bit more of like a hormonal issue. Okay. Um, so a lot of pregnant women will get right. melasma. We know that there's a hormonal component as well, um, but but that, that as well. But for basically, and, and definitely alopecia. So alopecia areata is an immune problem where the body starts attacking the hair follicles. And so the hair falls out, either alopecia areata, the hair falls out on the head, or alopecia um, like universalis or totalis, where it's every hair on the body can fall out. Mm. Um, and it is all the gut. So the first things I like to do are two tests. They're functional medicine tests. One is a stool test and one is an oat or organic acid urine test. Mm -hmm. And those two tests together give me a really good picture of the entire gut. And the reason why I like two is that a stool test that for your listeners who haven't done one is literally a poop test. You will get a glove, but you will poop in a tray, which is a little awkward. And you, the patient collects the poop in like four different places mm -hmm. and mixes it into the solution. And then you mail it to the lab. Well, poop came from the back end. That's mm -hmm. the large intestine or the colon. That's the same term for same two terms for the same thing. And that's where most of our microbiome is supposed to be in terms of the bacteria. So I get a very good picture of what's the bacterial load in your colon mm -hmm. and how is your digestive health. There's other things I get like H. pylori in the stomach mm -hmm. and other things, but Sometimes what won't show up is candida and mold because mm -hmm. those things tend to grow further up in the tract in the small intestine. And so the organic acid test um, is one I like to do in conjunction because it will show me for sure the candida and mold. Well, the, the test I use tests for pen, um, penicillin, uh, penicillium, aspergillus, and candida. Mm -hmm. And then we get some other things from the oat as well, like some neurotransmitter status um, antioxidants like CoQ10 and glutathione and some B vitamin nutritional status. So together those, like, I just have a real clear picture of what's going on. Okay. Now I know what the problems are. And we, I just go to work and each month we usually 
like switch up the protocol and I'm targeting different things, but we just start to address the items one by one. And every time the skin will start to clear, it's just a beautiful thing. So I agree. Um, you mentioned the stool test and the oat test, and I have actually done both of those tests in my life and they are, I'm telling you, they will take the guesswork out <laughs> most likely because, and yes, you do poop in literally like, it looks like the little trays from the diners that they like <laughs> give you French fries in. I'm like, what exactly. is this? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? It's awkward <laughs> even by yourself, but it makes a huge differences, you know? And I have suffered from uh, extreme mold from housing situation and it took a couple years away from my life and totally, totally, um, I will be a witness to this. I was um, not myself. It messed up my neurotransmitters and my face, my body, I aged. It was weird, you know? So that's actually something I kind of want to jump into because I myself am dealing with, you know, I feel like catapults from the mold um, that maybe kind of stem into other mystery ailments, immune issues. And I'm starting to get, you know, eczema on the back of my legs and weird dry patchy spots. Um, and I always wonder, is there like a little, you know, piece of mold hiding around the corner still, you know, cause it can come back. And so how, if you have gone through such a gut um, imper, uh, impermeability, I, I can't say that, but, or like a gut dysbiosis situation, um, and you took those tests before, do you recommend taking them again? Hold up. We need to take a slight little break to talk about some things that I'm offering to you this season. Something that is blowing me away is the fact that 2020 is almost over, the holidays are here, we made it. So how are you feeling and what is on your list? What is on your list for others and what is on your list for, most importantly, yourself? I have a wide range of wellness products, not just wellness products, but lifestyle products that I fully support over on my shop page at justbeinghonest.com. Remember, the bean has no G, so it's J-U-S-T-B-E-I-N-H-O-N-E-S-T.com and click on the shop page because you will find brands that I fully support and that you get a discount on, such as Blue Blocks Light Blocking Glasses, Energy Bits, Spirulina Chlorella. Guys, the cleanest you'll find in the, the brand. I highly suggest the Vitality Bits. You'll get 20% off over there. Um, we've got KiwiCo, where you can right now for gifts for the little ones, um, part of the STEM program, right? Learning, um, math, engineering. I forget what the other ones, science. Anyways, you can get up to four months free on your subscriptions. And their subscriptions, guys, per month start at $9.95. So head on over there. Also, we have the 
most amazing and cute little humidifiers. We have Saucony tennis shoes, which I am a huge fan of. We have Beauty Counter for both men, women, and children. It's clean beauty, clean skincare. I'm talking no hormone disruptors. Let's get on this train. So that's just a couple of the items. Head on over, take a sneak peek. If you have any questions, let me know. I'm here to give you my faves. And um, a lot of these companies do give back to the less fortunate, especially during the holidays. So head on over, that's justbeinghonest.com and click on the shop page. I cannot wait to see what you guys stock up on. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, so, you know, the unfortunate thing about these functional medicine labs, they are so incredibly useful. Of course, they are usually not covered by insurance, or Mm -hmm. you can end up paying more if you try to go through insurance. So, you know, it's an out-of-pocket expense. With my patients, um, I let them decide, like, I really suggest that we do the initial testing, but I let them decide if they want to do the follow-up testing. Like, once the skin issue is resolved, um, you know, a lot of times we won't go back and do an oat on the back end. But what you're talking about with mold, it's so important because there's two aspects to mold that can cause problems for people. One is actually mold overgrowth in their GI tract, where literally aspergillus is growing inside of them, like stuff you see, you know, on our penicillium, like stuff you see on bread, <laughs> like the fuzzy stuff is growing in the GI tract. Those are the mold spores. And those can cause problems for us. But what can cause even bigger problems are mycotoxins. Mm -hmm. And mycotoxins are teeny tiny little chemicals created by mold to defend themselves. So obviously mold, if it feels like another bacteria or another species of mold is encroaching on its territory, it can't get up and run away. It can't punch and, you know, fight that bacteria or mold. So it uses toxic chemical warfare and it creates these mycotoxins and it puts them out into the air to kill the bacteria and other molds. Now that can be produced by mold in our gut and it can be produced by mold in the environment. A lot of molds that's in our environment we don't see or know about. It's in the walls, it's under wallpaper, it's in the attic, it's in the basement. But those mycotoxins are so tiny, it will go through any substance in the house. There's no wall or flooring that will keep it out. And so we are kind of collateral damage. So. If someone is suffering, so sometimes um, when I do the oat and we see like the mold load is high and they have all these crazy rashes, we might go on and do the, the separate mycotoxin test to mm-hmm. see are they are they also being bombarded with toxins at high levels. That is the test where I'm more likely to repeat in a couple months just to make sure that we've lowered the load because they really are toxins and it's everything from the black mold that you hear about that's so devastating Mm -hmm. to, you know, other types of mycotoxins that aren't as bad as the black mold mycotoxins, but still they are toxins and they have been correlated to organ damage, brain fog, um, you know, immune problems, cancers, like Mm -hmm. they're just flat out toxins. So those we do more often want to retest and make sure like we've gotten them back down to zero and that person is not being afflicted by toxins from the mold anymore. Yeah. So I've got my homework. I've got some more testing. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to do. I've done mycotoxins as well past, but it was years ago. So, um, so Okay, so when you go to the root cause and you do the stool and the oat test and then you see what you go from there, 
how do you kind of combat from then on there? Like what's your first protocol for them? So it depends on what I see. And it's, it's rare that there's just like one thing. So the kind of spectrum of things that I could see is I could see some profile where they have overgrowth of H. pylori, which mm-hmm. is a bacteria that overgrows in our stomach. Now, H. pylori is, is one of those uh, bacteria or, uh, you know, items that it's kind of normal. A lot of people have it. It's not always doing damage. So we need to assess, like, is, is the H. pylori problematic? It can have virulence factors, and that can cause actually stomach cancer, but mm-hmm. a huge immune response. And it can just be super overgrown. And like when it gets overgrown in large amounts, it messes with the pH of our stomach acid. Our stomach acid is supposed to be very, very acidic because we want things to die when it comes in through the outside environment from our mouth. And we don't want all of this stuff surviving and getting, you know, a place in our GI tract. Well, H. pylori can raise the pH of the stomach acid so that things aren't dying. And then they can kind of the next stop is the small intestine. So a lot of these bacteria are like, oh, what a great spot to call home. Uh, if the you know H. pylori is high and the stomach acid isn't acidic enough, and we can get something called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That's one of, one of the reasons we can get SIBO is H. pylori and stomach acid isn't acidic enough. So when I see that, and especially if there's virulence factors, that might be something I go after first. Um, Another one of my priorities is candida overgrowth. When I see that there's a large amount of candida in the GI tract, it really messes with the immune system. It suppresses the immune system. And so even if there's a whole host of bacterial overgrowth going on, um, I will often start with a candida, an anti-candida protocol because your body can't do its job fighting that bacteria until we get rid of that candida. Um, so, uh, you know, some of the some of the places I will start with H. pylori again because it's it's at the top of the GI tract and affects everything after it or candida, but it really depends. You know, sometimes when I look at those tests, I will see a strain of bacteria like Pseudomonas, which is a gram-negative bacteria, which I know is very technical, but it produces something called LPS or endotoxins. Mm-hmm. I see it a lot in like psoriasis patients, but it can show up in anybody. That's like a particularly nasty one. So if they have like a huge overgrowth of a particular one, you know, I might go after that one first, but um, I kind of take the whole picture into account. And then in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, one month of this, and then we're going to see how it goes. And then we're going to switch to this. Like maybe we'll start with candida. And then I'm thinking we're going to go to H. pylori. And then we're going to do more of a broad spectrum to get all this stuff down. And I'm also looking at their intestinal health, like, are they digest? Do they, are they producing enough um, pancreatic enzymes? Are they digesting the fats in their stool? Do they have enough of something called secretory IgA, which is an antibody that um, an immunoglobulin that we produce in our um, mucosal surfaces, so in our gut, and we produce secretory IgA to help deal with all of this stuff. And if the secretory IgA is too low, which it often is in these overgrowth situations, then it's just Floating, it, a lot of times there's leaky gut and it will just go into the bloodstream without the secretory IgA and it puts an extra strain on the body. So I might give them some immunoglobulins to help out while we're trying to heal things. It's, I mean, that's why you need to go to medical school. <laughs> it's, it's, it's complicated, but you really need to look at the whole person and it's individualized medicine. So I don't just mm-hmm. have a like, 
this is my acne protocol or this is my eczema protocol. I have to do the testing. I have to see what is happening to you personally. And, you know, usually with conditions, I will have kind of my suspicions. Like if it's a baby with eczema and cradle cap, I know they've got candida overgrowth. I just know they do, but I don't know what else is going on in there. So we still need to test. You know, so I have my kind of like, I'm given the stink eye to certain pathogens, like, oh, I think you're at play here. But until we do the tests, I don't really know the whole picture and, and exactly what's going on. I mean, out of this world, I am, I, the cool thing is I do recognize words that you're saying, but I want to get into the secretory IgA really quickly. And the fact that to, would that be more of like, uh, um, kind of like the little worker bees that push out the gunk. So would like fiber or like, say for instance, if we're talking food terms, like a nice batch of beans kind of push out the gunk, would that kind of be a, like a little kind of analogy I can throw out there? It's not exactly the same. It's not that it's pushing it out. You're right. Like, so the more fiber we eat that, and that does bind up toxins and things right in the fiber. Like if you have a, you know, too much estrogen, we say eat a lot of fiber, right? We want to bind up that estrogen and then get it out in your poop. The secretory IgA is not getting it out so much, but it is binding to it and then helping to control like how the body responds to it and, and helping to control how much damage that bad guy can do. Mm -hmm. So I call them the Y guys. They're kind of shaped like Ys. And let's say they see like a bad, you know, candida or pseudomonas, they're going to grab onto it oh. and help the body deal with it. And, and they're produced in all mucosal surfaces. So in the nose, in the respiratory tract, and then definitely in our gastrointestinal tract. Um, and um, they're really critical to be there in sufficient amounts to have a, a more appropriate immune response to these bad guys. So I knew you'd be my new best friend. I'm like, I could talk to you for literally hours and hours and hours. But I want to, because you talk about the chronic, um, the chronic issues that, or conditions, I guess you could say that you do treat, um, you know, for instance, like eczema, psoriasis, acne, and you are what I'm seeing and kind of what I want to throw out there. You're like an internal dermatologist, like really are, you know, like, what is it, um, isn't our, like, our skin basically is, like, kind of, like, inside-based, or what's the analogy yeah. for that? I mean, we're, we're kind of a tube, right? And yeah. most of our body is really dedicated to bringing food in and getting it out, processing it and getting it out. I mean, that's the bulk of, from your mouth to your anus, like, that's most of what's, you know, going on. I mean, of course, we're breathing and stuff like that. But, no, we're a tube, and the outside of the tube is our skin, the inside of the tube is, is our GI tract and the mouth is where the tube meets. And obviously it's, it's, you know, a little bit different. The microbiomes are a little different. The types of cells that are there are different, but it is absolutely related and our microbiomes impact each other. So um, what's on the skin makes its way into the mouth, makes its way into the gut. Take eczema, for example. Um, so one of the main bad guys in eczema is staph aureus. When someone has uh, eczema, I know they have a staph aureus problem on their skin. It just, it just is. Well, what do I see when I gut test most of the eczema patients and babies? I see staph aureus overgrowth in their gut. Mm. And the reason is it's come through the mouth. And um, 
Then the other neat piece about Staph aureus is it actually colonizes the nose. So a lot of times when you treat the skin, like you can use antibiotics internally or on the skin to treat Staph aureus. And a lot of people will experience like, oh, okay, that, that went away. And then it's like a week or two later and it's like, oh my gosh, the Staph is back. Like, how did that happen? It happened because it colonizes your nose and that's where it hides and hangs out. So when I treat my eczema patients, I'm treating the staff on their skin. They are using nasal sprays to treat the staff colonization in their nose so it doesn't come back. And a lot of times I'll use natural, like antibacterial toothpaste and mouthwash because we need to get lower the load in, in the mouth as well. Because we know it's, we swallow like a liter, a liter and a half saliva a day. So mm -hmm. now we're just seeding our GI tract with the staff aureus too. So yeah, you have to think about all these different places. We're one body. It's all connected. It's absolutely connected. And we have to understand like how, how are these bacteria in different places and, and how do we need to treat it to just get rid of it once and for all. So is there a place that Staph aureus kind of like originates, like where it kind of comes, comes from? You said like uh, maybe it's ingested or perhaps it's water content or... Um... Well, I mean, we can we can get exposure to Staph aureus from other people from from everywhere. Like there, so there are very broad estimates, but studies will show that from twenty to eighty percent of people without any skin problem will be colonized by Staph aureus in their nose. So the nose is the biggest offender, but it may be on their skin too. And so you know, let's say you're around somebody who has Staph aureus, but we don't know it; they're not having any sort of skin problem. But now if you're a person who's prone to eczema, there's a lot of reasons why we get eczema, but on the skin, um, the pH of the skin also needs to be pretty low and acidic in order for um, these great things on our skin called antimicrobial peptides to work. So we have things on our skin called dermcidin and defensin. And I think they sound like superheroes with capes <laughs> and swords and they're always on our skin. So let's say someone um, with Staph aureus comes near me my skin is definitely acidic and my dermcidin and defensin are just going to be like, pam, pam, and kill the Staph aureus. It's not going to be able to get a hold on my skin. But when the skin pH rises and goes too alkaline, dermcidin and defensin can't work. And now Staph aureus is like, this looks like a great place to set up shop because it wants a more alkaline environment. That's where it can really grow. And it knows that, you know, these, antimicrobial peptides can't get at it. So if you're a person that your skin isn't acidic enough and you get exposed to staph, you're more likely then to, you know, actually have the staph take a hold and, and start to create a problem. And once staph gets on your skin, it's a nightmare because it has 11 different ways that we know about to attack the skin and create an environment that it wants, which is the complete opposite environment of healthy skin and what we want. Wow. Oh my gosh. Like seriously. Okay. I am going to be researching some stuff later too. Um, I, nerd alert over here, guys. You know, I'm like such a science geek. This is so amazing. Um, so I kind of want to jump into, because we are talking about the gut and maybe, you know, the, uh, the, you know, eating, you know, the best foods we can. Um, I consider myself a pretty clean bean, um, you know, shopping at the farmer's market and just, you know, plant-based and, 
what have you. But what are your recommendations for maybe foods that people can get their hands on every single day that would contribute to uh, a positive gut flora um, and positive skin barriers from then on that there? Yeah. So the, every new patient, I, we do, we have a conversation about their diet and fiber. And the Mm. first homework assignment that they have is to do diet diary tracking for three to four days. And the only thing I care about is I want to know how much fiber are they eating a day? So they write down what they're eating. I don't care how many calories, anything else. I just want to know what are your fiber totals for the day? Because fiber is one of the fundamental ways in which we can um, maintain a healthy gut. And I always tell patients, look, we're going to do all this work. We're going to be using herbal things to get rid of bacteria and mold and candida and fungus. But if you don't eat enough fiber in your diet after we're done, this problem will come back because we are what we eat and our gut is what we eat. So every time we put something in our mouth, if we're not pregnant, we think like, oh, I'm just making decisions for me. No, you are making decisions for billions of your pets in your gut, your low gut bacteria friends. And the more you eat fiber and vegetables, the more we feed the good guys and the more we eat, you know, more of the inflammatory foods, the more we feed kind of the pathogens or bad guys. So for me, it's about fiber, fiber totals and diversity. Um, The average American gets about 15 grams of fiber a day. The U.S. recommended daily intake is about 25 grams of fiber a day. For me, I start patients, let's target at least 35 grams a day. I'd like more, but I want a reachable target. And so we see where are they at? Like, okay, maybe they're at 25. And then we put them on a plan, like how are we gonna get to 35 slowly and gently? Because if you suddenly add a ton of fiber to your diet, you're gonna be just so gassy, it's not comfortable or fun. And there's no reason for that, right? So we're gonna go slow and start to increase fiber. And um, that may just mean adding a vegetable a day and then adding another vegetable the next week, you know, and it's, you can get there, um, but you do have to think about fiber. And so that's the number one thing is just fiber, fiber, fiber. And it's, it's actually an easier way for people to change their eating because I'm not taking things away from them at first. I mean, it depends if they have acne, I am recommending that they stop eating dairy because that will contribute to acne, but it's their choice. I just let them know. But, you know, we don't have to focus so much on taking things away at the beginning as putting things in, putting the fiber in, getting a taste for plants, knowing how much fiber is in foods. And then the more fiber you eat, the fuller you are. And as your microbiome starts to shift, people think, look at me like I'm insane. But if people have candida overgrowth, they're going to have horrible sugar sugar cravings. They're going to be wanting to eat carbs and sugar all the time. And they're not going to believe me. And I'm going to say, yep, it's this tiny little yeast. It's got brain control on you and it is making you want to eat sugar. Mm-hmm. And the more vegetables we can get in and the more good bacteria, the less those cravings come. And at a certain point when we've cleaned up the candida, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not craving sugar. Like I looked at a cupcake and it wasn't like a mental wrestling match for me not to eat it. Like I just looked at it and it was like, if I was looking at a piece of kale, like it was no problem not to eat it. So Fiber, fiber, fiber. I love that. I'm such on the fiber train. Believe me, I eat so many red lentils a day and I have my little tricks to like, you know, soak them in that. But yeah, the candida and the sugar, what people don't realize is like, it's so funny, you know, 
because I've taken so many tests in my life, you know, food sensitivities and stuff, and usually at times, um, the things that you crave the most are the things that you're actually intolerant to, um, which is kind of interesting with candida, like sugar actually feeds the, f sugar feeds bacteria, uh, in general. So, um, you know, I've had it all. Third world country worms, you know, you name it. I've had it. <laughs> wow, so. you, you really have then. That's, yeah, I haven't had that. Oh, it was fun. Um, actually, it was totally not. But um, so moving on from that, I'm going to just kind of throw in there and then we'll wrap up just some questions we had from my audience. Um, one of them being um, over 50 age skincare, just in general. Um, it could be for someone that's maintained their skincare regimen their entire life or perhaps someone that's like, oh gosh, I really need to start like working on this right here and right now. What is some natural recommendations? Because we all know not everyone's into being on the path of going into Botox or injections. Yes. So this is near and dear to my heart as I am turning 49 soon. <laughs> and, um, you know, looking at 50 the year after, um, it's the same principle and that there are definitely things that we're going to do topically to help um, with, um, you know, beautiful aging. And then there's things we're going to do internally. And I always remind patients, the goal is not to stop aging, right? Aging is good. It means you're alive. It's just a normal process, but we want to age beautifully and gracefully and hopefully not have to do those kinds of procedures and stuff um, to, to say to, you know, for someone to say to you, at age 50, wow, you have really beautiful skin. So topically, um, the focusing on that skin pH is a big deal. It reduces wrinkles and dark spots um, because um, we have enzymes in the skin called collagenase and elastase. Collagenase is an enzyme that breaks down collagen in the skin. Elastase is an enzyme that breaks down elastin in the skin. And even if you're not technical, I think you've probably heard of collagen and elastin. It's what it sounds like, right? It keeps your skin bouncy it's, and wrinkle-free. And if you, you know, frown, then elastin makes your skin spring back so that those frown lines don't remain for another minute. So we want that. And as we age, we increase levels of collagenase and elastase. So by eating a healthy diet, rich in fiber, um, we reduce inflammation and we definitely help our skin foods that are high in phytonutrients. Um, so brightly colored fruits and vegetables, um, and you know, all the colors of the rainbow. We, I also tell my patients, eat the colors of the rainbow, do a rainbow check. When you go to the market, you've put the produce in your basket and now you are going to literally look down and say, okay, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. What colors am I missing? Oh, I don't have any violet. And you look around the produce aisle and a world of violet will appear to you and you will see purple onions and purple sweet potatoes. And I found a purple daikon radish, which mm. I got so, you know, I'm such a geek about this. And I was like, a purple radish, you know, They're the best. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> purple cauliflower. All of those colors are good for your skin and they protect your skin from photo aging. Things like lycopene and lycopene is the red pigment. So um, anything, any fruit or vegetable with red pigment is going to be rich in lycopene, tomatoes, pomegranates. They all protect your skin from sun damage from the inside out. You don't need to put like a gloopy sunscreen on. Green tea will protect your skin from photo damage. And then topically, those things that make the skin more acidic. Um, so I will use things like aloe vera gel 
which mm-hmm. is acidic and healing. It helps promote collagen. I use hydrosols, which are the water byproducts of the essential oil making process. So the hydrosols are very gentle, um, yet powerful substances. And I every day I use hydrosol, aloe vera gel, and then oils. So as I spoke to, pomegranate seed oil is one of my favorite also for keeping aging skin healthy. And I do blends of oils and then I add um, essential oils. And there are certain essential oils like lavender and frankincense that have been shown to downregulate elastase and collagenase, which are those enzymes that degrade collagen and elastin. But I, I don't recommend that people play around with essential oils unless they're trained on them because they yeah. can be dangerous. And there are phototoxic essential oils, things like bergamot, that's not cumarin free bergamot. If you put that on and go in the sun, you will get a very toxic third degree burn. So oh. you, know, you can buy products who are made by experts or you know, work with somebody who's an expert in essential oils, but they are tremendous. I use um, face oils and essential oil blends in myself every day. Well, it sounds like I'm on the right track, um, which makes me very excited. But yeah, the food is the important part as well, um, as well as the topically. Okay, so you did kind of, this is going to be kind of one of our last questions, but you did kind of mention slightly about sun protection, which has always been, I'm, I love to be outside. I love, you know, ah, I'm like a sun baby, you know, and, you know, I grew up in the Midwest in Kansas. Um, so we got not as much as exposure as I do now in California, but um, what are, and you can, I will allow you to name brand names, um, but sun protection or just in general, like what should we do? Should we wear those giant visors on our face? Cause I'm about to get one baby. <laughs> so, you know, here's the thing, um, for the face, you know, up to 80% of skin aging is from photo damage. It is from the sun. So I think if you want to protect your face from aging, you do want to keep it out of the sun. Um, as far as the rest of the body, I think we vilified the sun a little bit in our culture. Like, yes, of course, we don't want to burn our skin. Burning our skin is a terrible thing and increases the chances of melanoma. We don't want to do that. But I think our relationship with the sun is pretty complex and we are just at the beginning of understanding it. I think everyone knows like, oh, if you get in the sun, you make vitamin D. But it's not much more than that. There's actually mental depression um, called seasonal affective disorder or SAD where people get diagnosed with depression because they haven't seen the sun. Like the sun does wonderful things for us. Mm -hmm. Feeling the sun on your body feels good. Mm -hmm. We're not vampires. We were meant to be in the sun. So I am, you know, I think I differ from a lot of people who specialize in dermatology in that I like the sun. I go in the sun. I like to feel sun on my body, but I will absolutely never burn. And I do try to keep my face out of the sun again, because it, it does age skin. I mean, that's just a fact, but you can eat those photoprotective things, you know, internally um, to protect it. And that means you can stay in the sun longer without damage. Um, as far as topicals, I like physical sunscreens. There's two types of sunscreen on the market, chemical sunscreen and physical sunscreen. Chemical sunscreens are the ones that you would get in like a CVS. And that's like the Copper Tone and Banana Boat brand. And they have active ingredients like um, octanoxate. And those instructions tell you, apply this 30 minutes before going into the sun. Well, why do you have to put it on 30 minutes before going into the sun? Because there has to be a chemical reaction. You need to absorb that um, chemical into your skin 
and a chemical reaction occurs in the skin. And then when you go out in the sun, the sun goes into the skin, but that chemical um, blocks the radiation. So those are chemical sunscreens and they have started to be banned in some coastal countries and nations. Um, Hawaii banned it. So it's illegal now to sell sunscreens with certain chemicals in it because it is killing their coral reefs and it gets in the tissues of the fish and the marine life and, and harms them. Mm -hmm. If it's getting into the marine life and the coral life and harming it, it's not doing you any favors in your body. And there are studies that you absorb it into your bloodstream. It's not just sitting in your skin. <laughs> So I don't like chemical sunscreens. What I do like are physical sunscreens. Those active ingredients are gonna be things like zinc oxide. Those are physical because the zinc sits on the top of your skin and it reflects back the rays of the sun. So it's not getting into your skin. So I'll always look for a physical sunscreen. And there's a lot of good brands out there. Just make sure when you look at the active ingredients that it's just zinc oxide because some of them will combine it with chemical sunscreens and they'll be both and you don't want the chemical piece. You just want zinc oxide to be the only active ingredient. Um, some great brands are, again, I have no <laughs> stake in any of these, but Badger is a really um, established brand. They've been around forever. They make so many different kinds of sunscreen. You know, it used to be that those would go on like plumpy white and make you kind of look like Casper the ghost, but now mm -hmm. they have um, zinc oxide physical sunscreens that pretty much go on clear. You know, they're not going to make you look, you know, white or whatever, uh, but you can play around with different ones. So for the body, just a straight zinc oxide. For the face, I like a tinted um, physical sunscreen. And one of the brands I like is MyShell, again, no affiliation, M-Y-C-H. I think it's either E-L-L-E or L-L-E. E-L-L-E, yeah. E-L-L-E. And so theirs is a, a tinted facial sunscreen. And why that's good is, so the active ingredient is zinc oxide. Check, that's what we want, a physical sunscreen. But the face can also get hyperpigmentation, which is the fancy name for dark spots, whether it's melasma or just sunspots, from blue light. Blue light is emitted from like our screens, like our phone screens, our computer screens, but also from the sun. And regular sunscreen does not block blue light, but the tinted sun's facial sunscreens have something in it called iron oxide. That is what gives it the red pigment and that iron oxide will protect you from the blue light. So with anyone with melasma, I tell I prescribe that they have to use a tinted physical facial sunscreen because we have to block the blue light or they're gonna get all this dark spotting you know, again and again and again. But even if you don't have melasma and you want to stop, you know, age spots on your face, the tinted physical um, sunscreens are a good way to go. Awesome. And then one more point on that, numbers. People get the numbers in their head. Do I want 30 for my face? Do I need to find 100? You know, how do I, what's the best number? Um, so I think that my shell is 50. So I actually think the higher the number, the better, and here's why. When they test those sunscreens, the amount that they are testing in order for you to get that SPF protection number on the bottle is an amount that no one actually uses. So it's like a teaspoon for your one arm, a teaspoon for the other arm. Like it's so much sunscreen that nobody puts that on. You're supposed to use like an ounce and a half of sunscreen for your body, like with each application. So if you had a little, you know, four or five ounce tube of sunscreen, that's only supposed to last you a few applications. 
most of us buy a thing of sunscreen and it just sits in our cabinet until we think like, oh, this is probably bad and I should throw it out. We're not using near enough that amount. So we're not actually getting that number. So at least if you buy, you know, a 50 or something, you're still not going to put on that much sunscreen, but maybe you're getting a 30 protection then instead of a 50. So I, I would go for the higher numbers. Oh, fantastic. All right. One more question. Are you ready? Dun, dun, dun. I'm ready. All right, Dr. Julie Greenberg. I feel like I'm on a, a like a show whenever I say that. But um, what is your honest truth that have you that has basically led you to maintain a healthy lifestyle? What has been that honest truth? You know, honestly, I think it's finding things that I really enjoy because I am not a person who does things day after day just because I know they're good for me. So like the food that I eat, I really enjoy it. And I only, I only eat foods that I really enjoy. I don't really eat things where like, Oh, I know this is good for me and I should be eating it. So I'm going to do it. No, I won't eat it. Yeah. And I think part of that switch because you know, yeah, I used to in the eighties and nineties, I used to eat a lean cuisine and a diet Coke for lunch. And, and that I thought was healthy. You know, that's mm -hmm. what we were told was healthy in the nineties. And my, my food palette was for junk. And so it was the slow roll of like working in vegetables, but also I think just being a geek and researching information. And I started to think about food differently. Like, you know, if I look at Cheetos now, oh my gosh, I have such a different reaction to it than I used to when I loved Cheetos. Now I'm like, oh, it's like not even the food. Like I don't want that, you know? And, and knowing like when I'm putting things in my body, like, Hey, I want it to taste great, right? Like pomegranates are super yummy, but also knowing just like all the good things it's doing for my body, it is protecting me against the sun. Like it actually makes it enjoyable. So I wouldn't, I have a tough time doing things just because I should. So my honest truth is I just, I just do things I like. Follow what you enjoy. I love that. Where can everyone find you to book an appointment, to just snoop on you? Do you have social media? Yeah, so well, I'm not the most active on social media, I will say, but um, I'm a licensed naturopathic doctor in California, Oregon, and Washington, so I can treat patients directly in those states, and, and because of COVID, I'm 100% telemedicine now anyways, and my website is integrativedermatologycenter.com. Um, you can find me there. If you're not in one of those three states, um, I can work with one of your licensed healthcare professionals in your state. Um, but on my website, if you go to the about me page, there's a section where um, I have um, a naturopathic and integrative dermatology series link on learnskin.com. And even if you're a patient, so this is for you know medical professionals and they can earn continuing education credits. There's 20 courses all on these kinds of things I'm talking about, all cited published literature backing up what I'm saying. This is not just stuff I'm pulling from thin air. It's actually, you can source it and find it. But for, I find that a lot of my patients, and I think a lot of your listeners, they want to understand information for themselves. So if they're interested in learning, like what is the skin pH business, you can follow that link and there's a whole course on skin pH and skin disease and it's free. So, you know, no incentive, just love go learn the information. Um, but yeah, you can find it on the website, integrativedermatologycenter.com, and then go to the About Us page and look for that Learn Skin link. 
Thank you so much for your time, your wealth of knowledge, your stories, your personal stories. Um, it really helps us all kind of connect together as one and just kind of like branch everything together. So thank you. Seriously, soul sister, I love it. Everything you say, I'm like, yeah, we'd be the best roommates. Like, <laughs> seriously. You are welcome back anytime. You may be our just doctor on call for sure. So well, I would be happy to come back anytime. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. I have so much fun talking about Durham and I had so much fun with you. Oh, thanks guys, guys. It has been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Have a safe and happy holiday season. If you're listening to this during the holidays, um, this is the perfect time to put this episode out there because it does have to do a lot with food and just of just chemicals in general. So, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug, peace, love. Ciao. What a wealth of freaking knowledge that was. Um, I'm so thankful for Dr. Julie Greenberg for coming on the show today. I think she's going to be our go-to gal when it comes to root cause, skin care, you name it. She's coming on again. I know that for sure. We've already set that up. Guys, again, please subscribe, send us a comment, a rating. That would be amazing. Help us grow. Help this little engine that could grow. So I'm here for you. That's all I know how to be in this world, to be honest with you. So if you have any questions, feel free. I don't bite. I literally do not bite. So send it in to Catherine at justbeinghonest.com. That's me. I'll get it, I'm sure. Until next time, it's been an honor. Mm, besos, my loves. <laughs>